Welcome to the Doing Epic Stuff podcast with your host, Mike Johan. Together, we'll explore the stories and journeys of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Pierre Stein is living his free life. Currently based in Bali, Indonesia, Pierre is part of a growing movement toward long-term remote work. People choosing to play, stay, and work from paradise. Earning dollars and spending rupiah. Surfing during the day and working late into the night with a tribe of like-minded digital nomads. As Pierre himself puts it, it's not just a fun move, it's a smart move. But it hasn't all been fun in the sun for Pierre. He's effectively the last man standing from the original trio of founders behind the bootstrapped startup Cowork Surf. Think a kind of fusion between aggregated surf hostel slash co-working spaces, or a kind of Airbnb for digital surf nomads, if you will. Join me as we delve into the story of this university grad come co-founder with salt in his veins, who is chasing his epic in the land of the gods. Tasty topics include the value in defining and knowing your audience niche, the most important ingredients needed to create great co-founder chemistry, and what it's like to live and work in paradise. Pierre, welcome to the Doing Epic Stuff podcast, episode number 14. Wow, thank you very much. I'm stoked. It's a pleasure to have you here and we'll get into the nitty gritty soon, but tell me first and foremost, uh, what's it like being in Indonesia at the moment? <sighs> Good question. Wow. Um, it's pretty quiet. It's uh, at the moment, if I look outside, it's super sunny. I'm in Uluwatu in the south of Bali. I'm in uh, near Bingen Beach. Beautiful. In, uh, sort of like a, I guess, a homestay where you have like 10 little houses built around a garden in a U-shape with a pool in the middle and lots of plants and birds and flowers. And now it's, um, it's sunny. It's, yeah, it's great weather. Um, so for, for like... Uh, surf, I guess. I mean, I've been injured for the last like six months or so, so I go only like maybe once a week now, usually in Changu, and because just because it's more of a mellow wave. So uh-huh. I couldn't tell you if the surf is amazing right now. Mm. But um, and for people, I mean, I guess there's probably like less than one percent of people left who used to be here. Uh, everybody who's here stays long term. There's like some you can buy social visas from within the country. So so you can uh, you can extend without leaving. Yeah, you can extend without leaving. And um, a bunch of people work, a bunch of people don't. Um, at the moment, evening clock, how do you call that? Is curfew is at nine. Oh, okay, so there's uh, a curfew. In, okay. Yeah, probably until March. But uh, yeah, I've got my room here. It's nice, uh, good Wi-Fi and a bunch of friends around. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's no like, all the restaurants are still open and stuff. So you can just... You kind of live a normal life, but only Bali is like no tourists. So that's, I mean, it's wow. shit. It was so shit for the local economy, but yes. it's pretty great to still be here. <laughs> for, for people yeah. like yourself, you're basically in Bali's return to the paradise it was, which was yeah. 99% less people, yet you've still yeah. got all kind of the mod cons bits and pieces. You got empty surf oh, yeah. breaks. You got empty surf. You got like still, you got all the good restaurants around. You can still, I can still get a good. Like your work done from here. It's like, I think it's probably like this little snippet in time where it's everything's wow. developed, but nobody is there. <laughs> oh yeah, it's God. pretty crazy. Yeah. My God, embrace it. I'm so jealous. 
I'm so jealous. Yeah. Um, well, you were in Australia. That must be a pretty amazing place as well. I've never been, but Australia's great. I'm in Victoria, Melbourne, Victoria. Um, mm. We've just gone into another week of lockdown, which is a bit of a bummer, but. Oh, yeah. They're pretty onto it here and it should be okay. I mean, we've been really blessed with that stuff uh, in terms of getting it under control and not having the same problems as Europe and large right. tracks of the rest of the world. Uh, yeah. But yeah, basically, I'm on a week of lockdown, which is going to mean I'm going to get a lot of work done, which is good. Nice, yeah. <laughs> Wait, does that mean that you really have to stay inside the house? Yeah, so you can exercise for two hours a day. Uh, with mm. one other person, but otherwise you're only meant to leave for like shopping, emergencies, and something else, maybe sanity. Right. But yeah, not much of it changed though, really. Or uh, I mean, oh, the other problem is you can only go five kilometers radius from your home. So mm. yeah, you and none of the shops are really open except for like retail, oh, yeah. or except for like shopping. So food. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, Melbourne's been pretty yeah. quiet for a long time now anyway after, you know, basically this thing kicked off. So, uh, yeah, I think we're all kind of strangely conditioned to it. Melbourne's kind of like, oh, yeah, this is happening again. Back to it. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I know what to do. Can you get into the ocean? Uh, from here, I'm an hour and a half away. So, uh, actually, no, there is ocean closer, but it's kind of like a bay. It's about 35 minutes away, but well outside my five kilometer radius. So oh, yeah. I am landlocked. Well, you're allowed to swim though. Yeah, you can still, can still get to a swimming pool, but you know, it's not the same, Pierre. Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on now. Don't yeah. patronize me there over in Indonesia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and tell me this, Pierre, before we get in again, because I, I just I love surfing. I love Indonesia. I spent some time there maybe about a year and a half ago. Is Binion Beach like a, a pretty, can that be a really pumping reef break oh, yeah. wave? Oh, man. Yeah. It's like you're, if you're sitting on the beach and you look at the wave, it's like people getting barreled constantly. And, and the barrel, maybe it's, it can be like just maybe shoulder or head high, like not even too crazy. And it already throws this perfect round barrel. Mm. But I'm, I mean, I'm not really good enough for that yet. But a couple of times I went in there just so excited, like I'm going to write my first real barrel here and got just totally got smashed because it's kind of, it's. I mean, for me, it's got kind of a quick wave. And especially when it's low tide, the reef is super sharp and I got rolled over the reef a couple of times. And it's just, I'm, I'm, I think it's a little too, <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm I'm surfing different places now, but yeah, definitely. If you, it's this it's a dream wave, man. It looks beautiful. Like everyone is getting barreled, like one after the other. It's crazy. It's, yeah. oh, it just makes yeah. me think. Like I'm pretty sure it was Bing and Beach where I went out at about in about eight foot or something like that mm. on a, just a wow. massive day. I think it was Bing yeah. and I'm like the most uh, the highest wave I'd ever surf was probably around six like confidently and that was after surfing Damn. quite a bit and i went out and man like i thought i was gonna die i got he I, I went way too far in to yeah. the lineup and then yeah. just like rogue waves came like a set of rogue waves and yeah. i took four of them on shallow oh. shallow reef uh yeah it's man yeah. i thought i was done i honestly thought that was Dude. it uh, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, it just different spots work so much differently. You can get used to like one wave and then you're like, I'm pretty good. I can probably do that too. But this, this way for me and being in what I remember, it just pops up so quickly. And then suddenly there's this giant wall that really curls in and like, it just drives you down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having, yeah. I think I've got PTSD. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I'm like, um, there's um, Dreamland here that is more, way more sort of mellow, more like old man's in Chonggu. Mm-hmm. And actually, Uluwatu, I had such a great surf there a while ago. Uluwatu is where you paddle so out with that little cave. It's like some yeah. mystical bloody surf yeah. paradise. Incredible. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, you know, single fin, that bar there, it looks out over the ocean and you see, just because there are so many points that, different points that it breaks, there was like, I mean, that day I had just a really good day, I guess. So I was kind of proud of myself. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, that there's, there's, I mean, Ulu, if you like, if you're, I think it too, if you're a beginner, it's good to go to Chonggu just because it's like white water forever and like, you know, pretty strong enough so like you you can catch her a little bit of a right there mm. and there's enough space it's just like this wall of white water so you can be with a hundred people and you can catch your little wave there right. but if you want some more than ulu you got the sort of the real breaks quote unquote i guess right yeah um, where, the, where the big yeah. kids play uh yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so pierre you're you're chilling in indonesia but not for all intents and purposes just chilling out you also uh a part of, or actually the single, from my understanding at this point, the single founder remaining for the co-work surf, uh, what should we call it? It's like a, what's the one line line definition of co-work surf? One line, um, well, if you can work from your laptop, you can work wherever there's Wi-Fi. And if you want to then, if you love traveling and surfing and you want to, get out into the world and do just that. It might get lonely to, if you want to find other people who also work and like surfing. So then it's nice to live together with other people who do just that. And then uh, you got to find those places somehow. And we got a site where you can find all the locations around the world where you can work, surf and live with other people who do the same. <laughs> now that's a that's a pretty compelling offering uh, right there, Pierre. So essentially, <laughs> yeah. I can jump into the Cowork Surf platform. Say I'm going to Lisbon, Portugal for a week of for a week of whatever, well, like work, business, uh, holidays. Mm-hmm. Can plug that in there, and it will load up places where I can stay, I can live over that period, where I can potentially work from, and also hang out with other surfers and have like a little bit of a local tribe for my for my stay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I guess the average uh, length of stay that we get f- f- uh, for the bookings is around a month, up to six months. So, because mm. it's nice if you're going, if you if you travel and work, even to sort of get used to an area to get set up to get your little routine going takes a little bit, you know, before you can really sort of get into work. And um, a lot of people, you know, who bring their serious job, they just need that stability. So, I guess moving around too much would sort of break that uh, routine so I guess that's like why people stay on average like a month two months something like that and then yeah at the moment actually, but I have to review it because we at one point allowed more like uh, work-friendly apartments near surf as well but I think I would really want to uh, like go back to really just go living spaces so if you arrive in a country um, and you you know it's nice to if you're going to stay there for a long time to make some friends so you might start off your journey in a country, in a co-living space, find a surf buddy, you know, find your way around town. And then from there on, you can do whatever you want. But yeah, so. So you can yeah. kind of, you're moving into being like, catering for it, kind of being like a jump off, jump off point for people to almost yeah. integrate locally. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the good, yeah. 
I think so. Yeah, it's just nice to yeah find that. Even if because like if you're traveling, especially longer term, if, even if you find like make one good friend, then it all becomes so much more easy and doable. Sort of. Yeah. Just yeah. You just need a buddy if you, if you want. Yeah, you just need a buddy. Yeah, at least one. <laughs> yeah, it makes it so much nicer. Yeah. Now, this is a pretty impressive effort to get, not just mm-hmm. a concept like this. I mean, people have good ideas all the time and do very little mm. with them. You and your founder partners at the time have brought this thing from vision to an actual executable concept, which has run for a number of years. I remember mm. signing up myself for the newsletter when I was going to Portugal and I was like, Christ, this, this has already exists. This is such a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so how? Do, let's kind of go through the journey of the, of the Cowork Surf concept and maybe beginning with yeah. where did the idea come from? Where was it born? Yeah, yeah. so Joe actually started it. I think he, uh, well, he's, to, he's the guy who, who just took a step back. He was like, want to work on some other like projects that are feel more passionate for me now. But um uh, I mean, he, he, he told it to me, so he was basically doing just that as, uh, working and traveling and, uh, uh, he was a surf teacher and then, uh, he, he felt like in the surf camps, it was cool, but he needed some more ambitious, uh, chats as well, but just because he was working and nobody else was. And then he was like, oh wow, maybe we can combine this, uh, you know, remote work and surf. And then he found Nick. And uh, together they rented an Airbnb in Sagres. Love Sagres. Uh, yeah, Sagres is amazing. Mm. And uh, Nick's a videographer, so he made a really cool video. And then um, uh, basically just invited, yeah, just put it on the internet. And uh, I found it, and uh, I was working on a different startup back then. Uh, I've been co living before, and I was like, I need exactly this. So I went over there, I was one of the first guests. and. Uh, I stayed, I loved it, became friends, and, uh, and I was like, can I, like, I just want to help. I just want to make this, uh, sort of, yeah, help working on this. And, um, yeah, then we then started in uh, in a different spot. It was all going well, like, the guests loved it. Everybody's like, holy moly, we, we want to do this in, like, South Africa. We want to do this in the Philippines, we all over the world. So we were like, damn, okay, cool, let's sort of get this concept sort of scalable, um, and uh, we did open a villa in Bali. I worked there as well, with, where we all worked on it. And then after a while, I mean, it's not so easy. Uh, it wasn't that easy to make it work. And then we sort of all split again uh, after the rent was done. And uh, But we made so many friends who were trying to do the same that we sort of helped out, that we would do weekly calls. And then we just put them on our site because it still got traffic. And... Um, uh, yeah, and then we're like, okay, amazing. It, we tr- we try to um, even try to like franchise it uh, with a partner in uh, Panama, but we just found out like if you don't like if you don't own the space, you're, no one's gonna put more love into the space than the founder itself. And especially when actually the product is the community, you just need that you need that intrinsic motivation to run the space. So then we're like okay, this is cool, then we're going to become, you know, the front page where to find exactly those sort of individual brands, independent brands where you can, where someone, you know, built their home for other people to join and surf and work. And yeah, that's, that's sort of where we are now. So there was a, <laughs> there was a conscious, you'd kind of gone through a few different iterations there, kind of a few different uh, yeah. phases, hadn't you? Like you'd realize that along the way, 
ownership of the space was where you first started, right? You were like, let's mm-hmm. have this place, let's brand it. We can control everything that happens in this particular yeah. location so that we know when people come to this location, they're going to get the co-work surf uh, yeah. for proper experience, no shady yeah. operators. And then yep. you realize that you've got to scale it. So you're like, how do we do that? Uh, do we just allow other people to use our brand willy-nilly? We need control yeah. over this. Otherwise, we're going to get, again, the shady operator syndrome. Yeah, <laughs> Dudes yeah, are like, yeah, no, yeah we're co so right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, I mean, we, we couldn't sort of, I mean, I guess we could always go back. Then the, the thought was as well, like, if we, you know, if we make this work, then, you know, in the end, we can always build our own sort of campuses around the world and add them to the sort of booking site. So, you know, we, we again can have our own space because it was really fun to create that environment. And, um, but yeah, it was, I mean, respect to, I guess, all the businesses that did do it because it's all people. And that, that was like, it's hard to like have that quality and consistency, I guess, around the world. And, and, and I feel like also at the, with Go Living, if you start your own house and invite other remote workers to stay there, that's a pretty specific audience. And um, but sometimes, sometimes people compare. Like it's a lot of work to create that community and keep it going, and that and that's the product. But sometimes people tend to sort of compare it with uh, just accommodation, and it's sort of hard to, you know, really be there to create that experience, and then also have to compete with other places locally who who don't have to and um yeah i think that will change we i mean we 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 could have probably gotten a lot better with it if we kept going but um uh, with with our individual spots but yeah i mean it's still developing how to really really do that well i think mm. uh, or at least for for us it, we had to learn more yeah and i think it would I mean, it's inevitable with this sort of thing that you're going to have to try things and and use, for want of a better term, pivot to new uh, yeah. approaches, because you're you were really kind of although there's Airbnbs and things like that in existence, you're almost fusing a couple of different worlds together, right? You got yeah. the the co-working hub, you got the surfing tribes. You guys were really the first per the first group actively out there doing this. Uh, yeah. and actually, yeah, like executing on it. So I can imagine there was a lot of trial and error and kind of just going, Jesus, yeah. what are we doing next? Yeah, <laughs> I think, and that's, I think that's the cool thing about going so niche as well. Like we just see that, the, like if you want to look at conversion rates, we're just so high, like uh, 6.3%. Now we're building on a new platform. We're figuring it out all over again, kind of. But on our on our previous site, it was 6.3% just because like someone would, someone would Google like go working, surfing Jungu. And then we're on top. It's called go work, surf the page. The location is doing exactly that. And so our conversion rate was just pretty crazy. 6.3%. That's crazy. And it also helps that you were first to market. Like there wasn't really an option too, was there for quite a while there? Guess, guess, uh, yeah. I mean, other than going to Airbnb and choosing somewhere near the beach. Oh, no. Yeah. To find spaces like this. No, no. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. So you kind of saw this concept. I feel like you, it aligned with your personal kind of mission and vision and your outlook on life somewhat, which is, you know, along the lines of having this freedom to work from wherever you want. 
uh, and this freedom to do what you want to, to a large extent. So you kind of saw this thing was happening and you just went, I'm going to do whatever it takes to jump on board. I'll help mm. and be part of this kind of co-work surf founder tribe, if you will. So oh, yeah. how did you do that and still manage to make ends meet financially? Did you have kind of money squirreled away or you just went head first? Let's just do whatever, <laughs> do whatever it takes. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And actually, I think I was officially still in uni. Like I just... Um, basically used in the Netherlands, I'm from the Netherlands. In the Netherlands, we get study finance, which is basically you can loan, you can borrow up to two, up to a thousand euros a month and um, pay it back over 30 years with an interest of 0.2% or something like that. And after two years of uni, I was like, I know I want to create my own stuff. I know I'm never going to be able to borrow any money cheaper than this. So I'm just going to use keep it keep it going for as long as possible and work on my own stuff. So that's what I used for the first like two and a half years working on Cowork Surf, basically, mainly to just to be able to work on it. Maybe not the best. I don't know. It's it's definitely run out now. Now I have a, a marketing a side gig for four hours a day. So I'm making the the ends meet like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, it's. Uh, it's, I mean, to be able to work on your own stuff, yeah, you definitely, I think, yeah, you either need like a part-time side job or some way to get access to capital. Just, I mean, for us, it just it just takes longer. It always takes long, longer and more work than you think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to just like quit everything and go on your, uh, um, go on your, uh, go on a loan, it's what I did. And at, at the same, there's like sort of two ways to do it, I guess. One is, uh, you know, find a stable job and and work on the side on your projects. I think probably that's the more sort of mature uh, way to do it. I felt just like I wanted to totally die. I didn't want to do anything else, totally dive in and hope to make it work before, you know, I needed to, yeah, before the the money drained up, <laughs> dried up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and f- f- somehow magically it all works. It all worked out like, I don't know, just in time I just got this gig uh, now as well and like uh, well we raised a little bit of cash from both Joe's father and my dad uh, uh, so we were lucky enough to be able to do that and but everything every time after when the money just dried up something happened and somehow we were able to I don't I don't know how but that's like this was also one of the one of the one of the reasons why I'm also in in Indonesia, I guess like for sure, a hundred. I want to like be here. I think life is amazing here. And then also a major benefit is that like my rent is like two hundred dollars here a month, and uh, oh, you know my scooter is thirty dollars. So for like basically, if you really yeah, you can live here for like eight hundred a month. And um, if you, it's just really nice to to go here. If you, the quality of life is just amazing. It's incredible. And also, if you're working on your own stuff, it just makes a lot of sense financially to, to go here so you can, yeah, so you have to get time, use that sort of leverage so to yeah. get more time to work on your own stuff. And if you, I suppose if you can, yeah, earn, earn in a currency that's strong and live in a, a country that has all yeah. the livability things going for it, but perhaps the, the, um, the economy isn't as strong. It's kind of, mm-hmm. it's the dream, right? You've got this really, yeah. really good setup. Um, yeah. And yeah, you're yeah, basically living in paradise. 
Yeah, yeah, I can, yeah, I can, like, easy, I can easily save over 50% of my income now, you know, mm. like, and, and live lavishly, like, in, in the Netherlands, it's hard to save a couple hundred euros. Uh, mm, with all the, the food and the living expenses, yeah. massive compared to Indonesia. Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, if you want to buy time, work on your own stuff, that's definitely, it's also, it's not, it's not like only like, because I think a lot of people see it as a sort of a fun move. You do this for a little bit, but it's a smart move too, I think. Like mm, For longer term yeah. situations, like putting, yeah, doing like, yeah. as you said, six, 12 months or more. Yeah. If it's, yeah. if you want to just have that, that headspace to focus on yeah. something. Yeah. But in some really, way yeah. that you're enjoying the, the way of life. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. And then, and then it's so like, because everybody basically... Who does the same? Who is here? Does the same, and so like to be able to, you know, you know that everybody has organized themselves in such a way that they could go abroad and work on their own stuff. So it's like a really a self-selected group of people who really quite made those sort of harder choices or took some more risk mm -hmm. and and made it happen. So it's really easy to find like special people or amazing projects that other people are working on. You know, because. It's everybody who did something different than the rest of society, I guess, in one place. So mm. it's it's really good to find inspiration too. And once you do this for a little bit, you'll find you'll make so many buddies, and you're like, and you hear stories and new places. And I think it's just so easy to be from there. If once you do it for a couple of months, to be like, holy moly, there's totally people who completely do this life as a real life, not as just like an escape from you know, uh, sort of fast-paced society but mm. you can you can just truly build up your life remotely yeah it's become that that possible to live uh like an actual life in this way rather than just being always perceived as a little hiatus like this could be yeah. your life if you were decided to structure it this way yeah mm. yeah exactly like well so often people ask like when are you going to sort of get serious mm. <laughs> and i'm like i think this is the best like, like the, this is the most fun choice and the best choice I can make. It's, it's amazing. I mm. think, yeah. Mm. Very I mean, cool. You're living in Australia. That's also always like from the Netherlands. It's like a dream country, and you're also doing work. You're like, it's not that like, you know. So why is it so weird to go somewhere and do real work? Mm. I think it's it just probably places like Indonesia just seem like to the rest of the world so foreign. The general consensus is that that's so exotic and so different you could never be doing anything but something short term there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And like all the people, I guess, sort of the quote unquote digital nomads, I guess gets, gets a little saturated of people, you know, just posting pictures with their laptop on the beach. And <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, those terms just become so weirdly like popularized and used that it becomes almost cliche. And then you're like, I don't even want to go to Bali. Like what? You know? <laughs> but actually, you know, it's just amazing to live here, but it's not all like working on the beach and stuff. It's just hard. It's like long hours, long days, but at, the, but at least I feel like at least you're in an inspiring environment where, yeah. 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 Which is a, yeah. which is a beautiful thing. I think, uh, in Australia, we've really seen that after a year of kind of COVID related stuff going on, a lot of people move from the South to the North of Australia, the, the East and Northern coast where it's warmer and the environment's better. And it kind of, really? it really focused, put focused on people's, or yeah, I think it, for a lot of people, it put focus on their lives in terms of what they found really important. 
And it's like Melbourne's an awesome city when it's jumping and it's at full steam. But if you turn yeah. off all the shops and you're not near <laughs> the ocean or the country and you can't mm. just go for a walk down by the beach, what have you got in a, in a kind of really happening city? I think a lot of people kind of jumped ship. Uh, we've got like had a massive kind of city change to sea change this year. Uh, so yeah, I think people are craving it. So things like living in Indonesia is probably be, being explored more than ever before at this time. So. Oh, bro, that's crazy. That's just so nuts. Like the shift that's going on globally is it's nuts. It's almost maybe like like if you can just like have a sort of do meaningful impactful work from your laptop and live where you want to live with who you want to live that's like that's huge and like that i mean uh, it's maybe as big as like the agricultural revolutions or something as the industrial mm -hmm. revolution like and that shift is happening right now um wh when we were just uh, joe i joe phil and i phil is like he joined later also like a as the core team um we were chatting when the pandemic just hit us and we were organizing four retreats at that point, two big team retreats and or three team retreats and one songwriting and surf retreat in Sri Lanka. It was really amazing. But um, of course, all those plans canceled. And then I remember ch jumping on the call with them and we were like, holy shit, like everything we were working on, we like it has no we can stop working on it. What what are we going to do now? But then at this, in the same time, we were like, that was the one week where the entire world started working remotely and we were like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like this is the, the sort of the marketing, it's marketing genius. Like let's, let's put a pandemic on the world so nobody can go outside and everybody has to learn how to work remotely. You know, we could have never <laughs> thought about anything more genius if you want to push remote work. I think it's sped it up by at least a, a good decade. And like how people use, talk about jumping on a zoom call now it's just like it there wasn't there before so we were like we just got to stick it through and pop out at the end keep building and pop out at the end of the tunnel and uh, the world the world will be changed i think if you guys <clears throat> and this is just my my two cents i think if you can ride the, the the storm of this problem at the moment which is your business is based on uh, ideally people living in certain or moving between locations and yeah. finding those and, and travel like is a huge part of the premise. Yeah. The reality is that everything is going to return to a large extent back to people being able to travel at some point and <laughs> platforms mm -hmm. like yours are a massive enabler of that. So mm -hmm. if you can come out the other side, given how we've all been conditioned, to, as you said, to use Zoom, to be okay mm -hmm. with remote work, it's like you've got a purpose-built, battle-tested platform to execute on that at scale you've never even encountered before, kind of just waiting to go. Is that kind of where your yeah. head's at at the moment? I think that's there. It's like, it, no, you know, I've, it's going, it's like, I think a, a part of the, of the population will sort of keep working remotely a couple of days a week but then there's also a part that realizes like hey if i work from a coffee shop then why don't i try to go a month to portugal or something and they'll go a month to portugal and then they're like holy shit i'm meeting people to do this for like three years uh i want that too and then slowly slowly i think more and more people start to realize like, i can do that too and then i think i mean to me like the timeline i'm not entirely sure of but i just see definitely see a world where uh, you know, the borders are fading and like, yeah, 
people work, where they, what they want to work on, where they want to, where they want to be with the people, where they want to be around with, and um, how to get there is uh, well, that's the everyday question, I guess. <laughs> that's what we're working, but um, uh, yeah, and it was an, another little point that I was uh, thinking of. I forgot. Oh, whatever. But Can I yeah. ask, Pierre, how did how have locals perceived co-work surf? So if you had any sort of positive or negative yeah. testimonials about, I'll give some context to this. So surfers are generally speaking can be territorial in some instances, <laughs> right? So I remember yeah. surfing in Portugal and going out at breaks and there'd be 10 or 15 Portuguese locals just surfing in the best spot and making sure nobody went to that spot for the day. Yeah. So... Yeah. How how does that all kind of work out with this sort of offering, which really is bringing non-locals into local areas? <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Like that's a bit of a. I mean, it, I mean, I guess that that is a little bit of a thing because if <laughs> if someone wants to keep their surf break and people are you know more people are coming over thanks to us who will, who will use that break than that, I don't know how to. Uh, how to solve that? I think uh, maybe that. I mean, I guess the world is becoming more and more everybody's playground. But I, the one of the good things about remote workers is they'll stay longer in one place, and so they can contribute more to the local community. Other than like someone who comes there for like a week and just completely goes, you know, nuts and or stays in their hotel room or whatever. Uh, people who, you know, people who work remotely usually. You start off with being a month here, being a month there, sort of bouncing around. But then after a while, if you want to keep doing it, you'll slow down and uh, stay in place for like three months. And I'm staying or up to six months or I'm staying here for a year now. I wouldn't, you know, after a year now, I'm like, OK, now I can kind of sort of think about exploring different spots, although I really love it here. But if you got people who stay longer, hopefully the government recognizes the value of some of the people who are here and and offer a way for you know remote workers to pay to maybe either pay taxes or mm -hmm. so in a better way allow ways for remote workers to contribute to local society to local communities and yep um yeah and I, I, I mean there's definitely points also like travel is not great for the environment so slow travel but slow travel is one way to at least you know reduce the amount of flights you make and the and we have, we have a partnership with Ecology where we automatically donate 10% of the of the revenue to planting trees and social projects that they support just to i mean everybody should be paying nature tax right right now we sort of we we don't pay nature tax but um uh yeah i mean it's different there's a, it's changing I'm not really sure how to fix like more people at your local surf spot. <laughs> but uh, I, I realize that that's, I, I just, uh, yeah. I, I mean, the best we can do is if more, if the world starts traveling, maybe we can help at least have them be fun people. Mm, at least be like a, a, the sort of, the sort of people Respectful who are using people. the service are like-minded, right? Which goes a long way. Yeah. I think where locals get really pissed is when they get like an influx of people rocking up who can't surf, sitting in the yeah. best spot at the local break and drowning, this sort of stuff. Yeah, that's just so horrible too. Like, I guess maybe um, in the onboarding, if, if you book your spot, what we always wanted to do is uh, also add a bunch of videos from us. And maybe we can uh, do some surf etiquettes videos there. That would be That is just awesome. horrible to have. Yeah, yeah. You know, I guess if, if that's the thing, like if stuff's going to happen, 
um, sometimes you, I mean, I guess you can't stop it, and I think we don't want to stop this, but at least we can sort of influence the style in which it happens. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I think the <clears throat> as you mentioned, Pierre, the the tax for people uh, who are living and working remotely, some sort of mm. tax. I think that's probably inevitable at some stage when uh, these governments kind of go, hang on, these people are mm. making really good international money. We're not getting any of it mm. other than paying the local tourism uh, industry. But I oh, think yeah. that the bigger picture there could be, as you mentioned, like integration of remote workers into the local community in some way and yeah. vice versa. So maybe... Yeah, as you said, whether it's to do with environmental, uh, improving environmental things, but it also could be things like, I don't know, maybe like co-work surf sort of championing uh, employment of local yep. people in some way or something like that. A hundred percent, man. Yeah, and that's just so fun too. Uh, everybody should hire locally where they are. <clears throat> and... Um, um, easier, to, easier said than done sometimes for sure. Like it's a yeah. I mean, in Bali, I actually bought a URL the other day, Bali Digital Jobs, just because I needed a video editor and actually some uh, web developer too, and it was just impossible to find someone locally. Mm. And I think you know, um, Bali or like Indonesia wanted to make the shift to be less dependent on tourism because an event like this, I mean, they were like eighty, ninety percent percent dependent on tourism. So you you get one hit on the tourism sector and you're kind of gone. Yeah. So they wanted to, so they wanted to develop the digital skills in Indonesia. Um, and, um, I think it's just that kind of the organization here, the governmental organization is kind of s slow. <laughs> I know a lot of people are really smart. People are pushing for it, but, and I wish it would go a little faster, but, um, anyway, I think, uh, l like, uh, why I say this, I, I, I bought the domain for Bali Digital Jobs because I think if you see the actual jobs that you get paid for and what you get paid for it, like podcast vid editor, video editor, website uh, development, that you have more clear goal um, or a sort of a, a clearer menu of what to pick on, what skill you want to learn, because sometimes it can be kind of overwhelming to be like, okay, I want to make my money online. Where do I start? What do I like? So, mm. but uh, yeah, I think that would help. Uh, Anyway, yeah. So it's it's not really, <clears throat> it's kind of like it's not going to have, people need to perceive what the end outcome is before they're going to be interested about investing in those industries, right? At a government level or even at like a individual level, it's like, why would I study that if I don't know what the end outcome is going to be? Is there even a market yeah. for this in my local country? So if you guys yeah. are part of the market and a significant yeah. part of it, that, that has a huge positive implication to pushing those programs forward, I guess, at the end of the day. Yeah, and like some sort of, sort of, I mean, uh, like mentoring, like ambitious oh, yeah, good one. kids. Like it just makes all the difference if you know someone who does what you want to do and then you realize like, I, I think I could do this too, you know? So somehow, to, yeah, that connection between um, anyone who wants to learn about working remotely and anyone who already does it is helpful, I think. Awesome. Yeah. I can see how that would work super well. <laughs> uh, so Pierre, you've Cowork Surf was like a was a group of uh, there was a team behind it. Three of you originally, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
And you guys have since kind of dissolved that partnership. It's essentially you're the 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 last stakeholder last in it? standing. Yeah. Well, yeah, not stakeholder, but the last one working on it. Last one working I on guess it. Yeah. Daily at the moment, at least. Yeah. And what what from your experience? So you mentioned you'd you'd come out of uni, you'd gotten into co-work surf. It's been a, I have no doubt, just an incredible, um, and just a huge experience for you to, to level mm. up in so many different ways doing all this different stuff mm. uh, and testing you in different ways that you just never could really get at uni. You'd have to do it outside of. Oh, yeah. Well, what, what have you learned from, from business partnerships out of this whole thing and kind of maintaining your own tribe? Is there, has there been any sort of big insights from that whole, the way things panned out from the partnerships? <laughs> That's such a good question. Um... I mean, um, everybody. I mean, everybody has different skills and different visions. Different. Uh, there's something called product founder fit, where you know you can create something. You find you might find product market fit, where something you create works for the market. But then there's also the question: Do you? Does it fit you as a person? Like, is this something that you want to actually work on? Uh, and I think. I mean as you start working on something, you learn things and it develops into something else uh, if you want to. Usually, you know, you, you start a business, you learn something new, you edit, you change the parts of the business. And, um, and for us, it's been, um, I, think, I think Nick Nick was more like the physical location, loved to work on that. And I was more like the, think about how can we sort of offer this to everybody around the world and and Joe was, I guess, sort of in the middle trying to facilitate that. And But <clears throat> for, um, I don't know, there's just like, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it's so valuable to find someone who th- thinks the same or has the same values like you, wants to create the same thing like you in the way that you want to build it. And um, <clears throat> it's hard to find that, like, uh, you know, people like working on different things. Um, but I think I, I, I can always get better. I think uh, it's all like most of it is communication, though. Like mm. often everybody, you know, wants the same and uh, but in, communicated in a different way or the timeline, like the, the world, the way we perceive the world and time is different. And uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, it's just, it's just it's a crazy, it's a relationship really, huh? Is there, I mean, is there, if you were to get into a new partnership at some point in a business context, is there, what, what is the one thing you'd try and make sure was established first? Is there, is there one thing like you mentioned, perhaps like principles or something like that, or the vision needs to be in alignment? Is that, is there anything in particular you think is the key ingredient for a successful business partnership? Uh, such a good, such good question. I think, I mean, for me, you can't teach someone. You sort of, you can't teach someone to care. You know, some someone should care. And if you really care, then you'll learn everything you need to know to make it happen. I mm. think. <laughs> then there's definitely something that is, uh, you know, creating a partnership around a different skill set. So, really, if you find that person who cares as much as you and has the skills that you don't have and vice versa. That's just, you can already get so crazy far. Um, like plugging so, the holes in your skill set 
So they're comp- oh, yeah, yeah, man. Got it. Yeah, and that's like, yeah, that's like could be one is more like product focus and the other one is more marketing focus sort of one is building the house other 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 the other one is getting people to the house or you know kind of like that mm. but i mean in the first place you're going to probably be calling every day you know or so you got a you got a vibe uh, then Nav- naval ravikant super great guy i don't know if you ever heard about him or heard anything from him but he said you want to you want to find a partner who is smart positive and hard working um if you get like someone who's not smart, obviously the work isn't great, but they are hardworking. It's, it's still, it's still stuff is moving, uh, and they're positive. It's, it's still going to be fun. If you find someone who is not hardworking but smart and positive, it's fun, but not much is going to get done. <laughs> and if you have someone who is smart, positive, uh, or smart, hardworking but negative, then you might end up with a. Uh, a hard-working crook who might steal who might end up doing more damage than they had <laughs> <laughs> something like that he said but yeah it's like uh, yeah it, like it. it is yeah it's a combination of like it's it's i'm still figuring it out i think because with with the with the pre- previous team and my focus i was i was kind of more on keeping everybody happy and stoked on the project and i think we we should have been more like a could have been more sort of deadline focused and strict on like really focus on implementing because in the end if you want to keep working on this it's just got to work you know and that's just hours and like hard work and uh it's that's definitely got to be there as well yeah cool we'll go into the uh this is kind of like the final round of questions i kind of call it's like the doing epic stuff post-fight interview or kind of all right things (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> things I perceive through a do, doing epic stuff lens. So I'll just reel a couple of these off to you. Uh, what are you trying to do less of at the moment? Poof. <laughs> this is a tricky one. <laughs> Dude, that's actually fine. I, I think I'm trying to do more, um, less. Mm. Not entire, I'm not as like at the moment. I'm not as present on what I'm doing less. I'm, I am. I'm working on three things basically, mm-hmm. and um, one is music. I love making music. I want to always make sure I give some love to music in the week. One is go work surf, and one is the current sort of marketing job that I have. And then of course, relationships and having some fun. Uh, I guess I'm over. I'm sort of in this phase of life right now. I'm kind of working a lot, um, so probably I should. In the future, when stuff is a little bit more stable, focus on working a little less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the moment, I just do more. I just do everything more, and um, yeah, yeah, and it's working for you. <laughs> a few so, things a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Do you have anything that failed in co-work surf? Let's say specifically that that didn't work out, that you were able to take away a positive from. Um, I mean. I mean, I guess, I guess, I, I, if you, I mean, if you enjoy where you are currently, then everything's somehow has had its part in it, right? So I know I remember being so bummed and like for so many times it was like, oh, we're gonna quit, you know, it's not gonna happen, it's not gonna work out. We're gonna after the Bali rent was done, it was like, I don't know, we, like how are we ever gonna continue? 
Mm. And then now I, I think the model that we have now, I personally really, really love it. And uh, we, I still got to really make it work. But so I guess all the little things, yeah, all the failures in between lead up where you are today. So and if that's good, then I guess all of them, most of them are turned around. Yeah. How do, how do you deal with those dips in confidence when shit kind of hits the fan and you're feeling like, Christ, money's going low. Uh, I've got all these things, reasons I could quit. How have you kind of gotten out of those uh, kind of potholes? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's, I think, sort of two ways to start a business, run a business or keep going on a business. One is where you really or I guess a combination of them, really uh, create minimum viable products, put them out into the world and test if it works. And, uh, you know, if it works, double down on whatever works. And then now recently I've gotten more and more confidence in what how I think the world develops is quite, not, not I want to say quite accurate, of course, not everything, but some parts of it just because of past experiences, I guess. And then you can just, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty confident that it's worth working on this right now. I'm pretty confident that the world will develop, you know, will develop the way I'm thinking it will. I'm not sure if the timeline fits, but um, <laughs> so I guess there's one way where you like sort of take it step by step and, and the other way is like, I just know this is gonna work and I just have to figure out how to make it work in between. Mm. And do you, do you have anything that can, let's just say something goes wrong or you kind of, your confidence gets dinted. Do you have a routine or something that you do to manage those kind of low ebbs in, in excitement right. about a project to get you stoked again about things? I think, I mean, I wonder, I'm curious about all your answers on those questions too. I think they're really good, but um, <laughs> um, I think sometimes you just got to step away. Sometimes it's about, uh, you know, I really didn't know when sort of Joe stepped back and Phil as well. I really couldn't see for us for a moment on how to continue. Like genuinely, I was like, damn, you know, the costs are like pretty high for me to just take on personally. And we still got like the world is still here with it where it is now. And I just don't know how to get to the next step. And I just uh, I just sent out an email to the entire email list saying like, yo, Everybody, I really love working on this, but I just really don't know how to continue at the moment. And I got so many amazing... Man, that's why we are on the call now. <laughs> yeah, man, I, so... I saw that email. It's like, I've got to come reach out to this guy. <laughs> oh, man, that's so nice. And, and, you know, I mean, it's just so nice to reach out to other people and just have chats and even, yeah, even if there's no, like, practical steps that come out of it, we can do with your business. At least, you know, you, you connect it with people and... Uh, uh, yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that just helps a lot. It's almost <laughs> the, almost like the, the power of having, having a tribe or the power that can be, um, kind of taken from your tribe when you really in a, in a bit of a low spot or whatever it is, like if you've got yeah. those connections and you're able to yeah. lean on them, it can be such a, a, like a huge source of positivity, right? It's even more than you yeah. probably expected. It sounds like, Pierre. Yeah. Yeah. So much more. Like, I mean, I guess, I don't know how it is with your podcast, but you know, if anybody, anybody, I guess who listens is building something on the internet, it's quite a silent space. You know, you, you can see numbers and they can be technically good, but 
but you're not like literally hugging people or taking people by the hand and showing them, you know, or like, so like sometimes it can be like so silent and sending out that email and getting so many nice reactions back of like, yo, this is it's awesome what you're working on. Keep going. It's just like, oh yeah, I'm not building this thing alone, man. I'm like building it for people <laughs> and they value it. And, and that's nice. Like you need other people. And yeah, that's, that really helped. I'd never really thought of that because you, you, you are essentially, you're behind the software as a service, but you never get to really engage directly with the customer. Even when the customer has an amazing experience and they're stoked, them sending a nice positive email is like one thing, but you can't, yeah. you're kind of missing that human engagement, right? You're not like high five, yeah. like that was great. I'm glad you had a wicked time. You know, let's go out yeah. for a beer. It's kind of, that kind of isn't there. So I'd never really thought about yeah. that. No, and, and that's so true. I think that's, that was also one of the things that became sort of um, not, like sort of tiring at one point, running the physical space, because at one point we we're like, oh, I wish we could just close our laptop and be done with work, but you're <laughs> living in there, you know, and everybody's always around. And you also get a lot of questions about like, yo, the lamp is not working, the door is squeaking and stuff like that. So running the space itself is also hard work. But then at the other side, it's like, okay, then we're, like, we're building this, I mean, essentially software that, you know, create a system. Um, and then it's like, you know, if you don't, that's just a, hard, a lot of work behind the computer, but at least like, yeah. And so the, yesterday I, I called with a, a guy who's visited three spaces and it was just amazing to hear how much like fun he had and how, yeah, that, that was really amazing. So I guess, um, like he's been a customer uh, at three different CoXF locations. Yeah. <laughs> he found the site and he was like, dude, this is epic. It's perfect. I'm going to visit all of them. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, for sure. So, but at least you know, at least I've got like I'm staying sometimes in the co living space here in Chengdu, where you can meet a lot of other people. So, but yeah, the, the, the I'm not there when a customer books in in a different space. Yeah, so mm. that's uh, that experience. You're not there. Yeah, yeah. Pierre, I'm not gonna ask you any more questions for the podcast, mate. I think that was that was awesome, and thank you very much for your time. Yeah, shit. I think. I'll tell you one one last exciting project that we're Far away. On. I love it. Anything All you right. want to talk with, about. With a, fr uh, a friend from Sri Lanka. He's got one co-living space on our site, Melo, in Sri Lanka. And he went back to Turkey in the pandemic. And now he's working together with the government to create a remote working village there to attract more sort of talent to that area. That's next to the uh, Black Sea. There's surf there, which I didn't know. Really? I um, didn't know there was surf there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be a permaculture and surf village. So... Uh, <laughs> probably like 50 or 100 properties there's chickens running around you can like get your gardens done you know get your plant your own strawberries uh, bring your laptop and go for a surf in the afternoon and uh, an entire village with the government so i think that's exciting so not <laughs> just like a one residence a whole village yeah it's going to add like 50 or more than 50 properties to the site and if you book into any of those properties you get access to the community and the co-working space and all the events that are being organized for, you know, for 50 or 100 locations or something there. Wow. That's, that's, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's cool, huh? Mm. I think so. Very so let's cool. see. The yeah. future's bright. <laughs> I think, yeah, let's, 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 it's bright and we can shape it and uh, let's, let's try our best.
much for listening to this episode of the Doing Epic Stuff podcast. For the latest Doing Epic Stuff happenings, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash doing epic stuff. Or for inquiries, you can contact me directly on mike at doingepicstuff.com. We out.